0: I've seen it on t-shirts, and I've seen it on plaques, and maybe you guys have seen it as well. I know it's Father's Day, but the plaque doesn't say anything about dads. It says this, my mom said there would be days like this. <laughs> and you, if you've seen that plaque, or if you've seen that t-shirt, you've seen the picture that's there. And whatever the setting is, there's just a picture of chaos, and you can tell that it's a picture of chaos and you can tell that it's a rough day on whoever is in the picture and as you read that as you think about that caption my mom said there would be days like this I think sometimes as we live life I think all of us have have had those kinds of days Uh, all of us have probably had those kinds of weeks and all of us have probably had those kinds of weeks and days recently if we were to be honest with ourselves this morning we continue journeying through 2nd Corinthians and I know last week we just barely got started and I hope your taste buds have been moistened and ready for this morning as we continue our journey but this morning we're reminded that there will be days like this and it's not something that our moms told us but it's something that we see as truth From the word of God. Some days are going to be like this. And as we look at this passage this morning, we're going to be reminded that there will be days like this. But we're also reminded that the God of all comfort is there with us as well. Even in the midst of days like this. Open your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We left off in verse two, and I'm reading in the English Standard Version, And right after verse two is verse three. I don't know if all of your translations are that way, but that's how mine is. And so we're gonna read verses three through seven together. I'll read aloud and you can follow along with me in your copy of the scriptures. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. One of the things that I learned when I was in Bible school is that you look for repeated words. And if there are words repeated, that kind of gives you an idea of what the passage is about. I don't know about you, but comfort, 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 comfort are in that passage. So I think this is a great passage for us to look at and just realize that it's about comfort. It's about being comforted. And as we think about comfort, there's something that also comes with comfort sometimes. It's affliction. Sometimes we need to be comforted in the midst of our affliction. And as we look at this passage here, and as Paul begins this letter to the people of Corinth, he wants to tell them about comfort because he knows there's affliction that's in their midst. He knows there's going to be affliction in their midst, but there's a reminder here of comfort that they can be comforted. So, as we look at this passage, there are three headings that we're going to use to kind of guide us and help us navigate through this. The first thing we see in verses three and the first part of verse four is the source of our comfort. And the next thing we see is the sharing of our comfort. And the third thing we see is the significance of our comfort. Now, before we dive into this this morning, let's just pause for a moment and pray. Great God in heaven, we're thankful. We're thankful that you are the great God in heaven, that there is no other. And Lord, I pray that as we open your word this morning, that your word would be open to us this morning. I pray, Father, that as we look into your word, that your word would look into us. We know, Lord, as we gather, that there's nothing that I can say that's of any value. There's nothing that I can share, Lord, that's going to impact our lives. But Lord, what you share with us, what you give to us can, can nourish our hearts. It can nourish our very souls. And so Lord, as we sit here, we pray that you would open the fountain for us, that we would be able to drink in what you have for us. And so I pray, Lord, as we're here this morning, that we would hear from you. Don't allow me to get in your way, Lord. I pray anything that I share that's not of you will be quickly forgotten. But I pray, Lord, what you have for us, we would hear. We pray all of these things in your son's perfect and precious name. Amen. Now as we begin this passage, the first thing we want to look at is the source of our comfort. Look at verse 3 here. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's interesting as we look at this that Paul really begins this section, begins this passage with a moment of worship. You know, oftentimes as we look at the letters from Paul, there are moments when he breaks out in worship. And we've seen that in our study through Thessalonians. But here in this moment, as he's beginning this letter, he begins with a moment of worship here. Uh, and Paul began 1 Corinthians with a moment of thanksgiving as he was looking at them He gave thanks. But here in this moment, he just pauses and there's this moment of worship here where, where Paul just describes... Praise and glory to God. That's that's what he's doing here. Now, it's interesting that this word blessed here uh, is the Greek word that's used there is the word where we get eulogy from. Uh, and in a, a eulogy, when we think about eulogy, uh, there is just speaking highly of the person we're speaking of. We're just sharing about who they are uh, and, and, and giving praise to who they are, or speaking about who they are. And, and that's what Paul is doing here is he looks to God and, and speaks about God. He's, he's just uh, speaking and describing honor to God and, and giving him praise and giving him glory. And, you know, as I as I thought about this, I sometimes... We look at difficulties in our lives and sometimes, and I won't speak about you guys, but I'll speak about myself. When I see difficulties in my life, I oftentimes sit down and I begin to tell God about my difficulties like he doesn't already know. Paul is going to speak about difficulties, but notice the first thing that he does. He turns their attention to the one who is going to take care of the problem he turns his focus on the primary problem solver that's where his focus is and and that's what he does is begin to worship God and begin to praise God and think about who God is and and, and that's what he does is inscribes that honor to God and you know as we think about the different things that we look on what a perspective change this this creates in us as we think about our great God first rather than our great problem. And I think as we focus on our great God, then our great problem becomes smaller. After we focus on our great God, then we can take our small problems to him and let him work on those. But so often we need to first focus on the main problem solver. On the great problem solver, and shove all of those problems over onto his side of the board, and recognize him for who he is. And that's what Paul uh, does here. He recognizes the greatness of God uh, instead of the greatness of his problem, and and begins there. Now, notice what he says here in verse three: "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." Paul gives praise to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the God that he is speaking to. The God who is the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now in the Old Testament when they were speaking of God, they often spoke of God as being the the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, Uh, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they would put those together. But as we went through our study in Genesis, we saw that transformation take place, didn't we? In the beginning, it was the God of Abraham, then it's the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham and Isaac, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the time moved on, as we moved through our study in Genesis. We saw that change. Now when we get to the New Testament, God is identified as God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can't come to the Father without the Son. There are some who teach and share that, hey, we don't need Jesus, it's just about God. But if we leave out Jesus, we don't have God. It doesn't work that way, because God is the, God of our, of God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he lays out here. And throughout the New Testament, we don't see this used in the Old Testament, but throughout the New Testament, we do see this phrase being used. This is Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. And it says this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. It says he is the exact Radiance. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. Exact in essence, exact in nature, and He is equal to God. And that is how. Paul begins this and shares with this. And you know, I think there's another interesting thing here. Notice it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is writing to a group of believers, the people of Corinth. And they are his brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says, The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was our Lord who went to the cross on your behalf and on my behalf. It was our Lord who died to pay the penalty and the wages of sin. It was our Lord who rose from the grave pronouncing victory over sin and over death. That's our Lord. That's our Jesus who did that. Uh, not just mine but ours if we've trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior we're in that same boat and we can say our Lord Jesus Christ and that's what Paul does and as we think about this Jesus spe- or the Lord speaks of his deity Jesus speaks of his humanity and Christ is the the Greek word for Messiah the anointed one and that's who Jesus is and if it was the clip notes on who Jesus is that sums it up that's the name that's who Jesus is the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. now notice verse 3 the father of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of mercies now as we think about this as we think about the father of mercies the father of mercies uh, in in the Jewish language in Hebrew uh, in the Jewish culture the thought of father That word carries the idea of originator. And as we think about that, in this context, God is the originator of mercies. Uh, This word that's used here means compassion. And as we think about God, God is a God of mercy. God is a God of compassion. God is full of compassion. Uh, There was a small group that just did a Bible study, and they used the, the study that we did on the book of Jonah. And one of the things as we go through the book of Jonah, we are just reminded of God's compassion. We are reminded of God's mercy. Remember, Nineveh was a village that didn't know God. They they didn't know God at all. And God chose Jonah to go to them and share the message of God with them, that they needed to repent, that they needed to turn to God. God didn't have to do that. Judgment was gonna come. And God could have just wiped out Nineveh. But instead, in his compassion, in his mercy, he sent the prophet Jonah to go to Nineveh and to proclaim the gospel there. And they repented after Jonah listened to God. God is a God of mercy, even in the midst of his judgments. As we read the judgments that God pours out on his people, we see his mercy in the midst of those judgments. And, you know, as we, as we read about Jesus, as we see Jesus, we're reminded of who he is. This is John 1, verse 18. It says, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. You see, Jesus revealed. Jesus, as the exact representation of God, revealed God to us. And as we look at Jesus, as we see Jesus, and even as we unfold the gospels, we're just, we see the compassion of Jesus. We see the mercy of Christ time and time again. But as the exact representation of the Father, that's who Jesus is. And as we think about God being the God of mercies, God is the originator of mercy. And that's who Paul begins this letter and speaks about. Now notice what he says here next in verse three. And God of all comfort. I know you've heard me say this a time or two, but the word all in the Greek means what? All. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? You guys in your Greek backgrounds are amazing. He is the God of all comfort. Now, as we think about this word that's used here for comfort, this comfort doesn't mean sympathy. God is not the God of all comfort, where he just comes up by us and pats us on the head and says, it's okay, tiger, you'll get him next time. That's not, that's not the kind of comfort that this is speaking about. This word that's used here for comfort means to come alongside. This means to, to strengthen somebody, to, to comfort them, to strengthen them, to encourage them, to help them along. That's the word that's used here. And notice it says that God is the God of all comfort he is the God of all comfort God is the ultimate source of comfort for us he's the ultimate source of comfort in all things any true comfort that is found is found in God alone now the world comes along and the world offers us a false comfort in fact, the comfort that the world offers us is not comfort at all. It's only an escape, right? The world that offers us comfort and says, here, take this pill, drink this from this bottle. This will comfort you. But what does it really do? It really just masks what we're struggling with, doesn't it? It really just covers it up and kind of gives us an escape. And you know what, those escapes work really good for a few hours, but the next morning, it's all there still, waiting for us. Because it really hasn't comforted us, it really hasn't strengthened us. It's actually just made us forget. It's just actually made us turn away from. God is the God of all comfort. Unfortunately, in times in life, when we need comfort, we too often turn our back to the comforter. God is the source of all comfort. And when things happen in our lives, sometimes we get angry with God. Sometimes we shake our fist at God. We blame God. And we turn our back to God. And as a result of that, we've turned our back to the true comforter. We've turned our back to the one who can come, who can strengthen us, who can help us through our situation we don't always understand what God is doing in our lives. Isaiah 55 verse eight says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. I think as we think about that, we can say amen, right? Because there's things that God does that I would not do that way. If Darren Lemon were to do it, it would be different. But you know, as I look at how God does things, God's way does work out better than Darren Lemon's way. Most of the time when Darren Lemon's way works, Darren Lemon gets the glory. (coughs) But when God does it his way, God is the one that gets the glory because Darren Lemon was nowhere in sight. It has to be a God thing. And so as we think about this, there's a reminder that God has plans that are beyond us and there's Things that we don't understand. And there are going to be things we don't understand. And on this side of heaven, we may never understand them. But God's ways are higher than our ways. And God is the God of all comfort. And so, as we think about this, uh, as we think about those situations, God knows why. He can carry us through, He can comfort us, He will comfort us as we go through those times. He is the God of all comfort now notice it says in verse 4 it says who comforts us in all our affliction there's that Greek word again right all all our affliction he comforts us sometimes God uses his word to comfort us I don't know if there's been a time in your life when you've been struggling with something and you've opened God's word and you've just been reading and maybe through your daily devotions and you're just going verse by verse and all of a sudden uh, you're in in a portion of scripture that you don't think would be helpful and boom there's your little nugget of help and you're comforted by that I'm amazed at how someone can write a devotional 600 years ago and I can read it today and I'll be like oh that's exactly what I needed today June 19th 2022 and it was written in 1675 and it's perfect for me today. God's Word does that for us. God will use His Word to comfort us. And sometimes when we're lacking in comfort, sometimes we don't have comfort, this is exactly what we need in those moments. God's Word. God uses His Word to comfort us. Sometimes God uses His Holy Spirit to comfort us. There's that little assurance that we have. We're in our time of turmoil, in our time of unrest, God is there and comforts us with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God comes alongside and and comforts us with somebody else. Someone else will just say a word or, or just come alongside and kind of stand there with us. And God comforts us that way. He comforts us in all our affliction, whether it's through the Holy Spirit or whether it's through other believers. But God comforts us in all our afflictions. As we think about this word that's used here for affliction, uh, this word for affliction means pressure, kind of like the pressure you put on a grape. When we put pressure on a grape, the result is juice, right? That's kind of the pressure that this is speaking of. This is that kind of pressure that's used here. Sometimes when we go through life, that's what we find, the afflictions are, are like that. Sometimes they're emotional afflictions Sometimes they're physical afflictions But sometimes they're emotional afflictions God is the God of all comfort He comforts us in almost every affliction The Greek word is all, right? He comforts us in all our afflictions No matter what it may be God comforts us in all our afflictions And you know as I read this I can't help but think Who is the Apostle Paul? What does he know about affliction? I mean, he doesn't live in 2022. He didn't even have Facebook for crying out loud. How does he know affliction? Well, I'm glad you asked that question as well. This is 2 Corinthians 11, so we will to get to this eventually. Uh, probably not next week, but it'll be a while. 2 Corinthians 11:23 23 says this. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and in thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Does Paul know a little bit about being squished like a grape? I mean, he's been beaten like a grape. He's been stoned like a grape. I mean, he's had all of those things pressuring him, afflicting him, overcoming him. And what does Paul share with the people of Corinth? God is the God of all comfort. And he comforts us in all afflictions. Paul's experienced affliction on an extraordinary level. And yet he's also experienced comfort on an extraordinary level. This is not something that Paul just read about. This is something that Paul has experienced. And he says, God is the God of all comfort comforts us in all our afflictions." So God is the source of our comfort and that's what Paul is laying out there for us is that God is the God as the source of all comfort. But but he shares here about the sharing of comfort. Look at verse 4 as it continues, "...so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction." God comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction all comfort comes from God but it says as we are comforted we are then to turn and comfort others so does this mean that God is not the God of all comfort Does Paul just right now say the opposite to us? If God is all the God of all comfort, then why are we to comfort others as we have been comforted? I just kind of mentioned it in passing, but sometimes God uses us to comfort others. God allows us to go through experiences. God allows us to find him as the source of comfort and then allows us to comfort others. Notice what it says in verse 4 continues, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Paul saw himself as the pipeline for comfort. He drank in the comfort that God offered him in the midst of all of his afflictions. And then Paul turned after receiving that comfort, after being comforted, Paul turns and comforts others with the same comfort with which he was comforted. I'm so glad that comfort doesn't start with an S because we would be here till two (laughs) o'clock waiting for me to spit out the S word. I can't do it. But comfort starts with a C, thank goodness. God comforts us so that we can in turn comfort others. We are to pass that same comfort that we have received on to other people. That's what we are to do. And as we think about this, as we think about the theme of this letter, 2 Corinthians, the theme of this letter is that we are God's ambassadors. And as ambassadors, we represent God. This is 2 Corinthians 5.20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. As ambassadors of Christ, we are representatives of Christ. As people are in need of comfort, we as representatives of Christ, as representatives of God, as ambassadors on his behalf, come to people representing the God of all comfort, who comforts in all afflictions. We have been comforted. We can help comfort other people in their times of affliction. Sometimes we've experienced afflictions and then God has brought into our life someone who has experienced the same affliction. When we first go through that affliction, their words of wisdom help us in the midst of our affliction. But then as we are comforted, as we overcome that affliction, when we hear of somebody else who is in the midst of affliction We can go to that person and comfort that person I'd only been a pastor for a short time. I was in uh, I was in Medina. I was a pastor in Medina <laughs> It was my first church and uh, I remember going to the funeral of someone from the church and I was standing there at the casket and they were saying the casket and I was like man I don't know what to say I don't know how to comfort them in this in this situation. And I was visiting with somebody who was behind me and they were from our church as well. And uh, I got there and I comforted the man and I told him I was sorry for his loss. And he shook my hand and thanked me and he gave me a hug, and appreciated me for being there. And then the man who was behind me had just lost his wife just a short time before that. And he looked at this man and he said, There is somebody who knows what I'm going through. Both of these gentlemen just hugged each other. And both of them wept right there. But the man who was behind me was not a pastor, but he had lost his wife. And he knew exactly what the other man was going through because he had lost his wife. He was comforted by God when he lost his wife. And he comforted this other gentleman with the same comfort that he was comforted with. He was a conduit for the comfort of God. As we go through our afflictions, we can look at our afflictions and we can say, woe is me. And there are times when we go through those afflictions where that's what we think. But as we are comforted by God, we in turn need to turn and comfort others as ambassadors of Christ as ambassadors of God because it's kind of like a stewardship thing isn't it as God has given me that comfort I can appreciate that comfort I can enjoy that comfort but then I can turn and I can hand that comfort to the next one in line because they need the same comfort with which I was comforted and that's what Paul is sharing here now notice what verse 5 says Verse 5 says this, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Did you hear that? This suffering is suffering that we suffer in the name of Christ. Christ, or suffering, excuse me, suffering sometimes comes because of, who we are in our relationship with Christ. Sometimes suffering comes because we are subject to pain. We live in a fallen world. We, we, ha- we see that in our, in our worlds, and sometimes we're, we're subject to pain. And so we're gonna suffer sometimes because of, because of that. Now, if we suffer due to our own sin, as we suffer in our own sin, that, that discomfort, may just be the hand of God trying to wake us up. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6 says this the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastises every son whom he receives. When God disciplines us as his children he disciplines us for a while and we can expect discomfort until we repent, until we turn back to Christ. So sometimes as we suffer because of our own sin, there's gonna be discomfort there because it is our own sin. But there are gonna be times that we suffer as followers of Christ. There are gonna be times that we suffer because we live in a fallen world. When we suffer as followers of Christ or we suffer because we live in a fallen world, then the promise is there. The comfort of God is ours and he'll comfort us in those afflictions. Our sufferings, whether for Christ Or circumstances is never accidental there are some who teach that if you're walking where you should be with Christ you'll never experience any difficulties I would like to walk in their shoes one day because I've never experienced that Uh, as we live as we walk with Christ there are going to be times that are difficult that's what Jesus has told us there will be trouble in this world that's the promise that Jesus has given us but in the midst of this promise, there's another promise here, that God is the God of all comfort. He'll comfort us in all afflictions. So as we go through those trials, as we go through those difficulties, as God's seeking to help us to grow, or God is seeking to shape us or move us, God is gonna comfort us through the midst of that. That's the promise that we see here. And there's a sharing of comfort here, as we're comforted, as we experience that comfort, we can share that with one another so there's a sharing here of our comfort now notice the significance of our comfort in verse 6 we are afflicted it is for your comfort and salvation and if we are comforted it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer Paul and his team Experienced suffering and they endured suffering as they ministered to Corinth that suffering led to the people of Corinth receiving the gospel and lives were changed as a result of that and as a result of that in the midst of that suffering that Paul went through to make sure they got the gospel, Paul experienced comfort because of that discomfort he experienced comfort because of that suffering he did in the name of Christ. He experienced comfort because he did that in the name of Christ. There will be suffering. There will be difficulties. But as we go through those times, as we are walking with Christ, as we are walking in fellowship with God, there will also be comfort. And that's what Paul is sharing here with the people of Corinth. Now notice verse seven. He says, Our hope for you is unshaken, For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. This is the hope. Affliction may lead to some who are turning away from the comfort that is available, but Paul's hope is that through the midst of that suffering that they would find the comfort that's promised them. And the only way to find that comfort that is promised them is by staying close to the comforter. Because without the comforter, There's no comfort. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in our heavenly destination. That's the hope that we have. This world we're just passing through. This is just a temporary blip on the radar screen of eternity. That's all it is. Colossians 3 verse 1 says this. If then you've been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So there you have it. The source of our comfort, the sharing of our comfort, and the significance of our comfort. So what in the world do we take home from this? I mean, what do we apply to our Sunday afternoon? I think the first thing we've got to remind ourselves is there are going to be times of affliction. As we read that verse, we see comfort, 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 comfort. But almost as many times we see affliction, affliction, affliction. As we go through affliction, there will be comfort. If there's no affliction, we're not going to enjoy that comfort. But it's as a result of that affliction that we experience and recognize that comfort. And God is the God of all comfort. If God is the God of all comfort, God has to be the source of our comfort god has to be the source of our comfort boy you know sometimes a dr pepper and a reese's just cannot be beat <laughs> i i tell you that but you know what there are times when i get home and if my wife were to offer me a pulled pork barbecue sandwich with a scoop of coleslaw on the top of that and that fresh homemade bun. If she were to offer me that, or the Dr. Pepper and Reese's, I would take the Dr. Pepper and the pulled pork sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes the Reese's just doesn't do much to me. I mean, I'll eat the Reese's afterwards. But sometimes, you gotta have the pulled pork, don't you? The world wants to offer us that Reese's. And it says, hey, man, this will take care of that sweet tooth that you have. Just don't tell your dental hygienist. You'll be in good shape. But we need true comfort, don't we? We need true comfort. And the only way we can get through those afflictions is with that true comfort. As we think about going through those afflictions, he's with us. He won't bail on us. If we're walking in fellowship with God, He'll never leave us alone. He'll walk with us through those afflictions. And as He does that, He's the God of all comfort. He will comfort us through those afflictions. Sometimes we need a little bit more comfort than others, but I'm so grateful that He is there to comfort us. And then we need to be mindful that as we go through those times, What God has done for us as we go through those times is he has opened up for us a whole new door of ministry. Because there's not too many of us that have gone through that same circumstance that you have gone through. And there's things that God has taught you through that circumstance that you can pass on to the next person who's going through the same circumstance. So as we go through that affliction, drink in that comfort, be comforted, but be ready to turn and comfort those who are in that same affliction because God will use us to comfort those who are in that same affliction